0: There's no better way to celebrate your favorite MLB team than by visiting Baseballism, the official lifestyle brand of baseball. Baseballism specializes in apparel for men, women, and children, and now offers officially licensed MLB team apparel. For a limited time, get 15% off your next order by using the code PODCAST at checkout. Shop now at Baseballism.com. Or visit Baseballism San Francisco on the corner of King and 3rd. Baseballism is America's brand. Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone.
2: Welcome to episode 45 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Odyssey with myself, Steve Peralt, and Joey Capone. Today, we have Chief Baseball Officer Haim Bloom on the program, and boy, this was a great episode. Joey, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, it was was a great interview.
3: I was going to introduce him like he was here, but I think we're already kind of past that bit. And so here he is. What's it. up,
2: Haim? How you doing? No, he's not here. He is no, going to be in your uh, headphones very soon. Haim was great. I think after we stopped recording, he said, I probably could have even been you know more difficult with the question. That's not really who I am, Joey. I'm not really like the mm-hmm. super mega grill the guy type of person. I think we asked the right questions that people want to hear, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything that's like, we said, ah, maybe we shouldn't
2: ask him that. No, I, I think it was. I think we asked the right stuff, and and got some you know fun stuff in there as well. He had an interesting answer to my Rafi question. I'll say that much. I had a Raphael Devers question mm-hmm. in there, and it was a very interesting answer. And that's that's the tease I got for you because it's one that you're going to want to hear. But uh, yeah, without further ado, I don't want to tease this too much. You guys are here to listen to Haim. We had a great interview with him. Gave us a lot of his time, I think 30, 35 minutes. Chill dude. Obviously, he knows he's going through a lot. He knows the team's going through a lot. This is a tough time right now to be a Sox fan, last in the AL East. A lot of questions to answer, and he did a good job of answering them. Coming up after this break, chief baseball officer of the Boston Red Sox, Haim Bloom. Love building life. project, love life, <laughs> you name it. So if you want to join us, please follow Armchair Expert to get new episodes every Monday and Thursday. Plus, find your other favorite podcasts free on Spotify. Hey, everyone, it's Kenny Main, the host of Hey Main, the Kenny Main Talks to Famous
3: People podcast. Made a list of people we thought would say yes, and most of them did. Not going to call out the others who didn't. Actually, what the others do mainly is don't answer. So not really saying no. So really our potential audience for guests and for listening audience is the whole planet. No one really has said no. So we want you to find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast.
2: All righty. We are joined by none other than Red Sox chief baseball officer, Haim Bloom. First off, Haim, how many other heads of baseball clubs have Chief baseball officer as the title is it just you I don't know if other guys have it
4: I think right now it's just me okay uh, my understanding I believe there are only two other people that have ever had this title at least that I know of okay Derek Falvey uh and Tony La Russa. and what so, went into that so you're like pick yeah pick. i'm I'm
2: getting that it's it's me now <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick it
4: okay um yeah i I just took what they gave me I don't I, I don't care what uh what people call me which is probably a good thing right now um you know just care about uh getting the job done
2: yeah that's true i i I just say gm anyway i know that's o'halloran but it's just easier to do but chief baseball officer is still pretty cool uh i wanted to start with a question i think you and i have discussed before but wanted to say it on the podcast how do you deal with being in a position that's always going to be heavily critiqued regardless of what you do it feels like everyone's like, oh, I'll, I'll just be high. I'll do this. I'll move these guys around. Like, how do you deal with being in that heavily critiqued position?
4: It's, it's part of what makes a game great. I mean, it means people care. At the end of the day, if nobody is critiquing you, that that just means that nobody cares what you're doing. And we look this sport in general, like a lot of people care about it. In Boston, nobody cares more. You might be able to pick one uh, or two other places, maybe maybe a handful, that are on this level. I'm not sure, though. Like, it is so personal here. It just means people care that much, and that means we're going to have backing that nobody else has when we earn it. Absolutely.
3: So the general feeling among the fans right now, if I'm to try to be the voice for them, is uh, some general confusion with some of the deadline stuff, mainly the the buying and selling. Uh, I wanted to ask you, was that the plan all along, or were there some circumstances that dictated what moves were made along the way
4: yeah i'm glad you bring it up because we should talk about it so i know you know anytime that you are not going you know pushing all the chips in or pulling them all out there's going to be some confusion fact of the matter is we were in kind of a weird spot um so it wasn't you know i i think your plan has to be dictated by where you are on some level like where you see your team um both the talent level of the team and also the fact of where you are in the standings and where you are in the season. Um, and then on top of that, obviously every trade needs at least one other team to be able to do it. Uh, it's fun. To, it's fun to make up trades and say you would or wouldn't do them, but uh, they have to actually be there for you. So of course, on some level, you know, especially when you get down to the last 48 hours, that dictates what you do, too. But the plan you go into it really has to be taking into account, first and foremost, where your team, your organization is and then where you are in the standing. So where we were and, you know, obviously we're, we're in a, a little bit of a worse spot now, but where we were going into those last couple of days, uh, we were in last in the East. We were a few games out of a playoff spot and behind a few teams. Those are just facts. You know, in that situation. Honestly, most teams probably just sell everything in that situation, regardless of whether the returns are good or not. You know, sell what you can, get what you can back, uh, save whatever money you can uh, and just move on. But we also looked at ourselves, the talent level on the team, albeit some of it on the I.L. right now, but anticipating most of those guys back and what our odds are. And we said we're not some crazy long shot right we have a real chance it's a worse chance than we had a month ago there's no question you look up a month ago we had the third best record in the league we were not there anymore so it is a worse chance but it was a real chance and to me especially with a talented group and the core that we have you shouldn't throw away that chance for nothing it should it should be meaningful to throw if you're going to do that and i believe that's especially true here in Boston, I, you know, I, I do think that matters, but I think it's it's kind of true anywhere. Like you shouldn't throw away that chance if it's a real chance. So we basically said we got to do two things. Where we are in the standings, it's not ideal. We have to listen, especially on our guys that are going to be free agents. We're we're just being frankly responsible if we don't, and if we get the right offer for one or more of them, we have to be prepared to do it, or we are going to regret that as an organization. But at the same time. We liked our chances enough that we still wanted to support the team where we could, if we could find ways that make sense to do it and try to come out of it saying, you know what? We didn't walk by an opportunity that really made sense for the organization, but we also came out of it with a team that has at least as good a chance, even if it looks different, at least as good of a chance to get to the postseason and maybe better. Now I understand that's unsatisfying. The fact of the matter is we're in an unsatisfying position and to, to, to pretend like we weren't in that position either way, I I think just wouldn't have been right. I know you talked about uh, hypothetical trades. I had
2: pitched Franchi for Soto and you just didn't do it. So I think you're not doing your job because you didn't make that deal. But completely separately, uh, when it comes to the trade deadline, how often are you communicating to these guys? Because that just has to be awkward, right? Like it has to, like you mentioned, you're not doing your job if you don't think about, hey, what could we get for JD or what could we get for Ivaldi? These guys are obviously done after the year. Their contracts are up. So, like, I genuinely think that's correct, that you're not doing your job if you don't do that. But are you communicating with these guys of, like, hey, just a heads up, teams are interested, you might be moved, you might be here. That Because that, in nature, feels awkward.
4: Yeah, it really is awkward. I mean, that kind of comes to the territory every deadline. This one was difficult for a couple reasons. One, uh, where we were in the standings. Two, the fact of the matter was the team was going on the road 48 hours before the deadline. Just about literally so one of the most gut-wrenching choices we had had nothing to do with a trade it had to do with for me and like a, a maybe a small circle of people here where are we physically going to do this and honestly both choices were unappealing uh we have enough people working on this and especially close to the buzzer there's enough quick communication that needs to happen within your group that to pick a few of us up or especially if it was just me and relocate to houston didn't seem ideal that we might miss an opportunity because we couldn't communicate well enough if we did that. But at the same time, that means if we all stayed here, we weren't going to be there to be on the front lines of whatever happened. And of course, at the time you make that decision, you don't know exactly what's going to go down. Um, so that was really, that That honestly was probably the most stomach turning part was knowing, especially as we were closing in on the deal with Houston. Um, I am not going to be there to talk to Vasquez about this or to help anybody uh, with, the reactions and that we were we were going in the moment to pay some price for that and i knew that you know that that was on the table uh wasn't happy about it but there there really is no free lunch there so you know we we decided to do it how we did and i said whatever happens i'm going to be there you know the next day after it's done and, and be with everybody and have a bunch of conversations so everybody's good and you know i did the same thing la- last year we were in first place last year but i did the same thing last year i, I think you plan to do that regardless Um, In most years, most situations, um, if you're not going to be with your club, you're not going to be home uh, for the deadline. So having said that, before that, when the team was still at home, had a bunch of conversations. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but, you know, pretty much, um, you know, you know what we said publicly about Bogey, about Rafi, um, you know, said that to them as well. So they were on the same page. And, uh, you know, some of these other guys, without getting into a list, you know, there are certain guys that I think there, were, there was enough news and enough rumors swirling around them that it made sense to me to pull them aside and just be as honest with them as I could. And, and honestly, with with that, you know, the situation we're in, like I told you, the honest answer is I don't know what's going to happen, but here's how we're thinking about it. Yeah. Here's what could happen. And then on the day before the team left, um, you know, Alex and I we were communicating about this uh, constantly for you know, a couple of weeks leading up to it, uh, but, you know, made sure to to talk to every coach, um, either individually or in small groups to prepare them for here is what could happen over the next 48 hours. Knowing two days out, two days is a long time in the world of the trade deadline. You really don't know that much about the specific opportunities that are going to come your way. But in the position we were in where we knew there was a possibility, we might be doing some of what you'd call buying, some of what you call selling that it was important to at least prepare people for that. And the fact of the matter is, especially when it comes to someone like Vasquez, who's been in this organization for 14 years, you can prepare people all you want. That's going to hit people hard. There, there's no way around that. But, you know, we we tried, and and I, as the person responsible for it, uh, needed to to do the heaviest lifting with that, to to get in front of it as much as we could.
3: So shortly after the deadline, you'd said to the media that your door was open to players who wanted to talk about uh, the happenings, the moves, um, in the future, whatever. Uh, avoiding the specifics, names, all that stuff. Uh, has anybody taken you up on that offer?
4: yeah one one thing that I have found uh, in this is that uh, you know and it's actually something that uh, you know was a, a really uh, interesting and, and good lesson for me, especially from the first few months that I was here. and as you recall we 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 did some major business during that time <laughs> um, is that. You know, when you're, it's a little bit different when you've been in an organization for a long time. Players have come up knowing you, they've known you on their way through the system. When you're newer here, uh, you might have to seek guys out. Um, you, you know, and especially it is a weird relationship always. You know, we're management and then they know that we have some power over their careers that, that, that honestly is pretty profound. And different guys are in different situations. Um, some of them are going to be more proactive about it than others. Uh, but if you really want to have a conversation with someone, you better seek them out. In some cases, they'll come find you. And I have found, as I've been in this organization longer and, and people have gotten to know me a little bit better, that happens more. Uh, it's just less likely to happen early on. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that's on me, really. I mean, you want to make sure people know you're available and that you're accessible. I think you prove that by, by being around. But uh, it's on me if, boy, it would really be good for so-and-so to know such-and-such. I got to go make that happen.
2: Yeah. And you're you're out there a lot uh, during BP, uh, you know, walking around and, and talking with folks. How much do you get away from from that? How much you take away from that with the players? And is that more just kind of your your normal, you know, uh, kind of shooting the breeze type of thing? Or would that a- ever be a conversation that, you know, you find very
4: meaningful that happens before the game? Usually the best conversations don't happen during that time out on the field. They usually happen inside once in a while. They might even happen away from the field. Um, But if you're going to if you're going to have one of those conversations at the field, it usually is going to happen earlier in the day Mm. before guys get outside and before they start going through those pregame routines.
2: Yeah, they seem to be in that. I don't even want to talk to him there. Like that's they're they're so you know routine oriented. I got to do BP now. I do fielding now. So I could understand why that's more just kind of picking the brain and just kind of hanging out. A lot of people talk about your relationship uh, with Alex Cora. I personally think it's it's something that we probably shouldn't care as much as we actually do. That seems like a personal matter. But in your opinion, what do you think defines a productive relationship between someone in your position? and a manager of a baseball team, what, what would define that for you? I
4: mean, I think you guys should care about it because I think if you care about the Red Sox, you should care about this relationship. That's really true with any organization. It is a hugely important relationship. Um, this topic actually came up during, uh, 2020 when, as you recall, I did a couple of managerial searches. And (laughs) to me, a lot gets made of this, um, I think all the things, it really just boils down to a partnership. We're each different people with different jobs. And sometimes we're going to have different perspectives, but we both uh, have huge responsibilities to get this organization going where it needs to go. And we work together in that, even recognizing there's there's different things that we can and should do. And one thing I would say, and this has been true of every manager I've ever worked with, like if you, if you agree on every single thing, you're probably just not talking about enough stuff um, but you also should be learning from each other. I, I kind of feel that way about everybody I work with in this game. Like if, if you think there is somebody that you're working with, we have 200 plus people in this department. If I think there's someone in this department that I can't learn from it, I am certainly wrong. Uh, and really, I think if we, if we take that, everybody in this department takes that attitude about everybody else, watch out, we're going to be really hard to beat because we as an organization are going to learn really quickly. In this game like the emotions run high i mean it ended up being honestly more public than i would have wanted it but uh after we we beat the rays last year um you know you guys can imagine how how emotional that series was for me and how amazing it was to come out on top and you guys saw it with alex and um that was an amazing thing and really kind of a the, the outpouring of a lot of things that uh had been stored up really throughout the year and a lot of tough slogs, a lot of, um, you know, some fun high fives after games and some quiet moments after certain things, uh, you know, seem to be going off the rails. And then it culminates, you know, you beat the division winners in a series, you're the last team standing in the AL East. And uh, you know, those moments are, are really special. And those come from, you know, the, the authenticity of just riding the wave through the whole year. And the biggest thing for me is, you know, you're riding the wave with the other person. Yeah. And it's not always going to be smooth. It is rare. I mean, this organization got to experience as close as you get to that in 2018. And even then, I've talked to people here. Like when you're in the middle of it, looking back on it, it feels like, yeah, you steamrolled everybody. It was a sure thing. It didn't feel like that for folks here when they were in the middle of it. It never does. Success in this game never feels easy when you're going through it. And you got to be there for each other.
2: Yeah. I'm not, not to say, I hear you. Like, not to say that we shouldn't care about the relationship you have with AC. I'm more talking on a personal level of there always seems like there should be like a hey, you don't need to know this. You don't need to know exactly what's going on behind closed doors. But you're saying it's normal for you guys obviously to have disagreements for you to not see everything exactly the same way. And I I fully agree with that. I think that's it's natural you're going to disagree on certain things, but you would consider it a very productive and healthy relationship that you guys have been able to build?
4: Yeah. And one thing I found funny is that um, usually the things on the outside that people assume that I might be disagreeing with when they happen during the game, I'm usually not disagreeing with them. Honestly, like we got a good manager, guys, like there isn't really that much in turn like to disagree over. Um you know there there really isn't i mean anybody you'd say that about me and boh or anybody in this office we're going to disagree sometimes again if we don't we're probably missing some stuff and that's how we all get better um but you know i i think it's really like i view my job as to support him in the ways that i can uh obviously chiefly by by giving him a roster that can go win but there's yeah. so many other ways to to help him out with different things that might be on his plate and I can tell you, he is amazing uh, at supporting me with, hey, th- th- there's something that's happening here that it would if your attention could help this. Um, and none of us sees everything. I certainly don't in my chair. And he is outstanding at pointing me in certain directions like, hey, th- this guy needs a little bit of your time or this thing isn't quite clicking. Can you talk to these people and see if we can make this better? Um, and he's very observant about those things. And for me, like I, I just, you know, for the most part, if I if I can put my head on the pillow at night feeling like I made the organization better that day, um, that's a good day. And he points me to a lot of ways to do that, which I really appreciate.
2: Uh, what was your reaction to the Chris Sale news? And I am curious based, you know, on top of that, how much value you put in for each season on like weird stuff's going to happen. There might be some funky injury that happens. Uh, A player might have to leave the team for a certain amount of weeks. How much do you factor that into your roster creation in the offseason?
4: Some things are hard to predict. I mean, you know, I said it when we were talking to the media, like you almost don't know what to say in the case of Chris. I mean, this is so bizarre, all the different things that have happened um i've lost count of the number of uh chris sale injury media availabilities that i have done uh it just it just sucks a you guys know this guy he is an incredible competitor uh, he is one of the best competitors of like this era of baseball and unfortunately he hasn't been able to compete nearly enough um some things you can plan for you obviously know if you you have no excuse me a known issue with a player Hmm. And, hey, this guy might have to miss some time for something. Then you can plan for it a little more directly. A lot of things you can't. And you just have to build depth, especially on the pitching side. We have had every bit of that tested. You're hoping to have the good fortune to have the injuries be spaced out over the course of the season rather than happen all at the same time. Yeah, Uh, But you can't count on that good fortune. Uh, That's part of why you build it. And, you know, I look at last year, and we were super fortunate. And also our medical staff and the players themselves deserve some credit. But we didn't have these types of injuries on the pitching side. And had we, I, I don't think we were in as good a position with our internal starting pitching depth as we are this year. Now, obviously, it has, it has gotten to be a little much over the last month. But you look at June, which really was our best month. We were carried in June in part by people like Cutter Crawford and, and Josh Winkowski <coughs> um, stepping in and really not missing a beat. And that's not to be taken for granted. I don't think we were in that position last year. A lot of people deserve credit for that. And that really has to be the norm. We have to have ideally homegrown, young starting pitchers who can step in. And you really need to roll seven, eight, nine, ten 10 deep because you all of those guys are going to start games over the course of the season. And we need to have a bunch of them. Uh, I think we're well on our way to that. Uh, but it just highlights the need for it. And you really can never have enough.
3: I got to tell you, I'm I am so shamelessly envious of how articulate you are. Uh, my job is to speak into a microphone, and I, I think you do it 10 times better than I do. I feel like you could talk your way into any job in the world. Like you could walk into NASA <laughs> and talk for 10 minutes and become an astronaut. Uh, in that vein, if you could do something else, if you weren't working in baseball at all, where do you think you'd you'd find yourself any job I mean, in the world?
4: I don't know. I mean, I've been incredibly fortunate that I got in this business really early. And I, I never had to figure out what plan B was. Uh, so I've never thought about it. I think sometimes my wife fantasizes about what that might be. Um, but uh, it's not really something that I've had to think about. I'm just, I'm lucky that I've been able to spend a career doing something that I absolutely love uh, with people that I really care about and respect. Um, not that many people can say that. I think there's plenty of people in baseball that that cannot claim to have been as lucky in the organizations they've worked for as I have, Uh, because this is a a tough game. And a lot of people spend a long time in this game and don't get to experience the cultures that I've experienced. So I feel super lucky for that. I know that kind of dodged your question, but I honestly don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I hope not to have to think about it for a long, long time.
3: Astronaut (laughs) didn't didn't tickle anything.
4: No, that seems. Yep. I don't. I don't think I could be qualified for that. Fair enough. I,
2: I get. That's yeah, and then if you talk yourself into it, it's like, well, this guy's just going to suck. Like he's going to be terrible right off the bat, and then they'll just know to fire you. So I don't know if that's even worth it. But um, yeah, I, I guess that is. It's not. You, you dodge the answer, but it's not a bad answer. So I, I think it's still. I think it still plays. You can't dodge this question though. Where's that Red Sox card again? Do you still have that from the draft? Because I still want to auction that Hang off on. for the Jimmy Hang Fun. On. Okay. All right. Oh, we got it. If he has it in here. Oh, my God. He has it on hand. There it is. (laughs) It's my office. It's right here. Look at that. That's so nice. Yeah. That's great. There it is. So you're obviously pretty connected to that, then, if you have it just on hand and ready to go. Well, I just
4: keep it in the office. I haven't worn it in a while. That may be our problem. Maybe I should start wearing it. I think you should. Whoa. Well,
2: I mean, they had that clip of you with like the yeah, like that slow mo. If you had the cardigan
4: on, I mean that that would have been game over. So <laughs> it's really it's really hot in that thing. So sometimes the office is a little over air conditioned. So I wear it in here, and obviously the winter is a winter. Um, I don't know when was that? It was like for May wearing that I in, the so. in May. I'd, I'd have been I'd have been sweating bullets.
2: Yeah, that I mean. So you're there for all the or most of the games, or how often are you in that suite? Most of the games,
4: not every single one, but most of the time,
2: because I'll, I'll see you up there. But then another shot earlier this year was from a fan uh, that got you in a hoodie in Detroit. I think, I think you were sitting kind of closer to the field. Hilarious shot, by the way, because it looks like you're like undercover and like trying to dodge it,
4: but it was the bad weather day in Detroit. Right. uh, Mm -hmm. And I started out behind the plate and it started to rain. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to stick it out down here. And then it, it eventually became pretty unpleasant. It's like what am I doing? <laughs> like, they gave me a suite. I should go in there.
2: <laughs> Why am I? Yeah, here? I think they'd
3: let you inside if you asked. Yeah.
2: <laughs> how often do you do? How often, like on the road? Because at home, obviously, you got you know the suite and everything. But on the road, how often are you sitting in like the fan seats?
4: It really depends. I mean, honestly, the best view of the game to me is from behind the plate. Uh, there's a yeah. reason the scouts sit there. Uh, It obviously limits, uh, like, you you know, there are other, sometimes it's good to be able to do other things during the game, like communication-wise and so forth, or, you know, catch up with colleagues, phone calls, whatever. Can't really do that in the stands. Um, So, you know, I'm sometimes not down there, but it is, for me, it's the best view of the game completely switching gears here um i am curious of how
2: often you're in touch with agents during the course of a season i know there was a lot made of the xander thing preseason, and you know couldn't come to a deal but i i feel like i've read multiple reports of like oh they're not going to talk during the season but maybe they will talk during the season basically how frequent are you in touch with the agents and do you feel like that's a a comfortable conversation
4: or is that a little little uncomfy most of the in-season conversation with agents usually isn't about things like contract extensions uh first of all a lot of these a lot of the more prominent agents they obviously have a lot of players and so there's a decent chance that we have one or two or multiple other players uh that they represent or that maybe they have a client that might be available and they want to see if you're interested Uh, there's any number of things you might catch up with agents on having to do with players that don't have to do with their contracts during the course of a season. Sometimes they're passing through and they want to let you know they're going to be in town. And so you go say hi. Um, you know, there's, there's always a lot of talk about contract extensions, especially at certain times of the year. When you actually look at around the industry, there aren't that many that actually happen. Um, it's pretty rare, but a lot get talked about And, you know, there's a reason for that. Like, obviously, leaving aside the situations uh, we were in with with the left side of our infield, like these things are – there's a lot of different factors in play. And when you're not talking about a player whose value – who's a free agent and so their value is being actively vetted by the market, there's a lot more room to see the world differently because so much of it is speculative. And organizations and players approach that risk differently. Um, So, you know, there's a lot lot more ways not to overlap – with any player so I'd say around the industry like there is a lot of conversation about that um that tends not to lead to a whole lot of deals but there's a lot of conversation and then there's even way more conversation with agents about topics that have nothing to do with with contracts but I do think those relationships with agents the working relationships that we have are really important because when you think about it 95 percent of the time our interests are actually perfectly aligned with the agents we both want these players to be well cared for so they can dominate uh, and produce. And most of the conversation we have at agents is actually really collaborative about how can we make that happen? Because that's going to help everybody.
2: You talk about baseball scouts. I've been scouting Raphael Devers uh, myself all year, and I think he's really good. And I think you should sign him for the rest of his life. Uh, what are your thoughts on my assessment?
4: Uh, I mean, I agree with your assessment. All right, you know, that's that, that's a thumbs up for me. <laughs> all right, perfect. That's that's all <laughs> good I need scouting. There we go. Big, I,
2: I mean, I it's really been hard. I, I've had to go to the park and like really look closely. I've been looking for his swing and his contact rate and and his four borep zorp, and it's been it's not easy. Being a scout is not easy and I feel like you would know that.
4: It's not. But I mean if you know if you really wanna wanna develop your skills, don't worry too much about the numbers when you're scouting. Just uh just watch the game. And just take it in just take, okay. take it in. I mean, r- you know, write stuff down. You know, don't mm-hmm. just wing it. This is a serious business. But okay. you don't have nice. to worry about that four-board or Just <laughs> make notes on what you're seeing. Okay. I'm going to start just
2: letting the game come to me instead of writing all the stuff down. Um, completely separate. I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but that's what we do. I'm curious what you do for fun, because I feel like you have a job that is just constant high stress and just a lot going on. What do you do when you're not? you know, making deals or talking about potential contracts and all that stuff that could be kind of a a pain in the ass, even though it's part of the job.
4: I used to be such a more well-rounded person. Uh, (laughs) I think before I spent a while in baseball and also like as is, I, I don't spend enough time with my family. So when I can, I'm, I'm mostly focused on that. And, uh, you know, we have, we have three kids who, uh, depending on the time of year, uh, i I generally don't see them enough and depending on the time of year it might really not be enough Uh, so i try to be present for them once in a while um you know it's harder during the season because your nights are full but you know my wife and i try to watch certain shows together um it it kind of keeps you from binging other than all of the stuff on our plates is we would only watch when we both can watch you can't watch any episodes on your own yeah um So we do that sometimes, um, but, you know, especially moving here during COVID, like haven't gotten out that much. Mm. Um, And we're trying to, we're trying to change that, you know, that now we're starting to have more of a community with, uh, you know, my wife's from here and we know people here, but uh, you know, the kids start to have friends in school and meeting different families. Um, But I I would say for the most part, um, you know, we try if we're going to allocate, like if if we have like real significant time where we can kind of step away from, from, work because it's really hard to do that completely ever and feel like you're letting your teammates down uh frankly if you do that completely but try to find time either to spend time as a family uh or you know maybe just me and my wife that is very you you can't
2: watch the show without the significant other it's like an unwritten rule and if you do it then you have to
4: answer to that for a while so i I totally understand that i'm going to tell you guys a story so this is way back but uh 2014 was when uh my oldest was born and leading up to uh, that time, we had been watching uh, Breaking Bad. And have both of you guys seen it? Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. One of the so best. It's an amazing movie. show, but it, it does. like I'm not, no spoilers if the, anybody hasn't seen it, but like it does get pretty dark as you go deeper and deeper into it, I think. Um, and actually, like really appalling at times, right? So we're watching this and we're making our way through the show. And, uh, You know, we had we had an eventful end to the pregnancy. And so we couldn't get to the end of it before the baby was born. And I was so happy. I mean, becoming a parent's like the greatest thing, like definitely the greatest, the greatest part of my life. Um, But we had like three episodes left. And I think my wife at that point, it was just she kind of she wasn't really as into the show as I was, but we were watching it together. And I'm thinking, you know, we have this newborn and like, there's all that stuff in the newer, but I'm thinking, when are we going to finish the show? <laughs> like, it's tough to figure out when it's appropriate to bring that up. Without being disrespectful to, you know. yeah. Uh, so I eventually got permission to finish it on my own, which I did. Oh, okay. Wow. That's a big Did she deal. ever
0: finish the final three episodes? I th- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
4: I think she might eventually watch them, but um, I, I, she—I uh, actually commend her. Like she was kind of able to just to just let go, and like I—I I had to know what was going to wow. happen. Well, that's
2: you—you uh, you guys were watching live, right? Like that was like weekly. No, uh, oh, okay. No, it was
4: over by then. We were it, it okay. Was all okay, out there. we were streaming it.
2: I couldn't imagine lie if that was like all my friends knew. And I'm like this baby, how did we plan this? This was terrible. <laughs> what are so we that's doing? more than
4: you asked, but uh, that popped into <laughs> my head.
2: No, that's, that's fair. Um, you know, baseball question for you, especially with this team, regardless of how the rest of the season goes, do you envision the bullpen being a huge area that you guys want to address in the offseason?
4: Yeah, it, it has to be. I mean, that is the thing that really can make or break your season obviously we have had ups and downs out there to say the least. Um, I I think what most, you know, I sort of break it down. And I I don't want to walk past that. We have had some really bright spots out there Uh, and those are obvious. And, you know, to to me, um, you know, a lot gets made in the off season, you know, uh, of some of the more famous names that go off the board. When you really look at the good bullpens around the league like, we need to scale up the, the the organizational success that John Schreiber has been. Yeah, uh, We need to, you know, the organizations that really nail their bullpens are doing that a lot. And I'm proud of all of our people, especially John, because he put in a ton of work. I mean, he works his tail off, and that is part of why his stuff has jumped, and it's part of why he's as dependable as he is. Um, but we need to we need to find those guys and there are things we can do as an organization that we have been doing that we're going to continue to do to, to scale that up um, and you know when i break down you know what's going on in the pen you know, i look at it from a couple angles from the front office side we look at talent identification in terms of the guys we bring in the organization were we on the right guys now especially when it comes to trades or even free agents you're not going to be able to get everybody you are on but you can still feel good about, okay, we identified that guy for various reasons, opportunity, whatever it was. We might not have ended up with him, but we were, were we on the right guys? And then how do we get the most out of the talent that they have? There are guys including, and you see it, you know, we've seen some here, uh, and, and we want to be the organization where, we, where those guys can thrive here. Rather than see a guy with natural talent not live up to the talent in terms of the results and then lose faith in him and then see him go live up to it somewhere else. That kills me when that happens. And every year, you know, hopefully there's not too many of these guys, but we have had some of these guys that, you know, we know it's in there, and you see it, and you see it for stretches. You see flashes of it. You see the ingredients, and where we need to challenge ourselves as an organization is how to get really, really good at, at bringing that talent out. And those are the successes that I think we need, and that we can be the most proud of. I mean, you know, what? It's not not a not a bullpen guy, but you know, we were able to be that for Nick when we got yeah. him. From Philly uh and you know there's obviously he's he's still growing and he's still learning uh but we were able he was able to come here and this is not the easiest place to come to um you know when you have struggled and find success but our staff was able to to get the best Nick Pavetta that we saw in the postseason and that's why we had the ride we had uh in October and so we need to constantly be looking in the mirror at what are the good things we're doing to get that out of guys, and how do we do that more and more often. We have all the ingredients here to do it. I think we have had a lot of successes in the last couple of years, uh, but there's some guys where we haven't gotten them there yet, and and we need, to, uh, we need to get them there. Anytime I hear Pavetta's name, especially with last year, I just
2: think of him running off the mound like a madman. That was crazy. Um, only a couple more for you. I'm curious from your perspective on this one with Christian Vasquez of do you think – trading a guy away diminishes the likelihood that they'll return to you when they hit free agency? Or do you think that's just at this point, players understand it's a business. It's not personal. You get something in return for two months and that still doesn't mean you can't have a conversation about a deal the next year. I just personally, I can't think of a ton of examples of the trade away, get the guy back. You would know way more than me, but um, I know Chapman comes to mind, but I feel like it's not that common. Do you think it's because the act of trading them away and like, Uh, Kind of a goodbye is why that doesn't happen as much as you would think.
4: Yeah, that's a really good question. And leaving aside uh, that particular situation, because as you guys know, the rules prohibit me from talking about players. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, But generally speaking, that tends to be true. I do think in certain cases and you sometimes hear guys talk about it in certain cases That, hey, you know, once I left, it was easier to imagine being somewhere else. And then it was easier to continue to consider teams that I wasn't going to consider. So I think that can happen. Is it the case all the time? No. And, you know, when you get to when you get to free agency, obviously a lot of different things can happen. Uh, Strange things can happen. Teams can pop up out of the woodwork that nobody was anticipating and and charge in and give a player something to consider that he didn't think he was going to be considering. Ah, uh, so those things can happen, and they may or may not happen as a result of a trade. It's obviously something that you need to think about. You know, if you still like the player and and want the player, um, and you you weigh that. I, I think when in when considering these deals,
2: Joey. Joey's got a very important question for you.
3: Yeah, it's not it's not a question at all. It's a, it's just a little story. I don't I don't even have a segue for it. It's the story that it. I wanted to tell you at the beginning of this. Yeah. Uh, so this is, I don't know, a couple months early ago. June early yeah. june maybe uh my way down to fenway park and i got a text from steve that says we need a light uh, cuz we shoot our podcast in the wei studio post game we wait till everybody clears out and we shoot in there and we and we do video as well so we, we just we needed a light because at that point you know it's dark the field lights are all off it's dark it's usually nighttime yeah and the sun goes away so uh I stop along the way and uh, like a like a best buy and the only ring light that I can find is like branded right across the front vlogging kit. And there's like 13-year-old girls on the boxes doing like TikTok dances. And like it, it's just obviously like a child's toy that I'm that I'm buying. And I'm like, oh my god, it's not a big deal. I'll shove it in my backpack and and, and whatever. And I get to Fenway and it doesn't fit in my bag. I have like a full camera bag and whatever with my laptop and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm just going to make a run for it. I'm like, on Jersey Street. I'm like, the the media entrance is right there. I'll get in there, get in the elevator, get up, whatever. I'm very hyper-conscious of this vlogging kit that I got going on. And uh, make my way through the entrance. Elevator is open and waiting for me. I'm like, here we go. Perfect. No one's going to see me. And I get in the elevator. And the only other person in the elevator is uh, Heimblum. (laughs) And uh, it was you and the elevator operator. And I, like, head down, hid this thing, and uh, luckily for me, we went up one floor, and, like, a family got on with a kid, and they were like, hey, you see who this is? And you had a whole, like, hi, how you doing with the kid? Uh, first of all, wild that you are out and about in the public during uh, open hours at the park. I don't know why. I just assumed that there's, like, a, I'm the a man of the people time dude. elevator. Yeah. Yeah. One crazy, two. Any recollection of that? Does <laughs> that, that hold any weight to you, or is it j- just keeping me awake for no reason?
4: Yeah, I think it's keeping you awake for no reason. I don't. I wish I <laughs> remember I, my, my head must have been somewhere else. I don't know. I don't. No, don't I hope you don't you, take offense at that.
2: No, hi. Oh, I got to say Joey Joey came up to me and he looks like he just got the worst news of all time. I'm I was immediately like <sighs> I bet he didn't even notice. Like he's like, "Oh, it had these vloggers on the side." I'm like, "It's I'm sure it's fine. You you have a million things on your mind." It was just a, silly. Was just a silly thing to get caught with, you know? What I mean? it's <laughs> I, a silly thing. I, guess, I don't know. I guess. But yeah, you I mean, you you walk around the, the concourse concourse a decent amount, right? I know it's basically just elevator right up to the
4: suite. Yeah, I, I will sometimes. I mean, even to get from our offices uh, to the suite there are some public areas you do go through. Um, Sometimes there'll be people in the stands, uh, friends, relatives that I'll go pop down and visit. Um, It can be eventful uh, when when you walk down there, you never know who you're going to encounter. But you know, for the most part, people are great. And look, the way I kind of view it, like this is about the players and our staff. Like those are the guys that should be catered to and taken care of. Like I told you guys, we were talking about AC earlier, like, my job is to help him succeed that's right and that applies to our players also like that is at the core like you know how I view my responsibility the organization and to to AC and to our players is to put them in positions to succeed they're really really talented they're under a lot of pressure we need to take care of them and put them in positions to succeed so you know, okay. Am I gonna once in a while? Is it nice to have a suite? Yes. Is it nice to have an easier time parking at Fenway than mo- most of most of our uh, most of our fans who come? Yeah, for sure. But for the most part, I can get where I need to get. I don't really need too many people worrying about me. What we need we need to worry about our players and to take care of them and and put them in position to succeed. And that is one thing that really has stood out to me since joining this organization. I think for the most part organizations are, are pretty good at taking care of players, especially relative to like what it was when I got in the business, but the Red Sox take this to another level and it shows in how players feel about the organization. It shows how people work here feel about the organization. Um, we know it's a business and look, we saw it last week. Like there are some, sometimes you have to put those blinders on and do the right thing for the organization and kind of push through your feelings to do it. But uh, that stuff really, really matters. And I've, it's, it's amazing to see it in action. And so for me, that's where our focus needs to be. Um, like for me and our front office, we're here to help. Obviously, we, ha- we, we need to make the right decisions. We need to good, do a good job. Uh, sometimes that means pushing people. Sometimes, you know, that, that, that means, you know, demanding and, uh, certain things. But for the most part, those those players are the game. And we need to put them in position to succeed.
2: Absolutely. Last question for you. This is an easy one. Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on the red seat because everyone has an opinion on it, and I, I just I, I don't want to get into mine. It's too long. I just think it's it's bizarre world. Uh, the whole story and everything. And Manny's was one foot shorter, conveniently, and through the steroid era, no one hit it anyway. What What are your thoughts
4: on the red seat? That's a tough one. This might be the toughest question you guys. <laughs> this is the are toughest asking. question. <laughs> because I will say this. Um, I mean, you guys have seen more, more game action and more BP at Family Park than I have. Yeah. But I have seen some monstrous human beings with <laughs> massive power not come anywhere close to that thing.
0: Yeah.
4: And yet, I am a believer in the legends of the game. Okay. Red Sea and believer here. I actually talked to someone who insists that he was here on that day and saw the whole thing happen, and that it is every bit of the truth. And I'm taking sort of like an X Files position on this. Is that I yeah. want to believe, so I'm going to choose to believe. Okay. And I think like this is baseball, man. If we're not if we're not going to believe that stuff, what are we doing?
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> very true. Well, you also have you're doing a little more than believing because you have a story that says, "Hey, I was there and happened." Like you have a eyewitness.
4: Yes, and that's what I told him. I said, "I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm I believe you. I'm okay. choosing to believe because you have to have." You have to have faith in baseball. Okay, Heim
2: Bloom, red seat believer. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. You gave us a lot of your time, and yeah, excited for you know the next time we get to do this. Hopefully, it's every season. And yeah, Joey and I are just living and dying on every game. So hopefully, you know, a little win streak can get going here, and we can jump four teams in the standings. That's yeah. that's what we're pulling for you.
4: Yeah. We, we are too, and and uh, it's good to talk to you guys. And this is this has been a rough patch, no no, no doubt about it. I do think we got a hot streak in us. Um, but even like at these times, even when things are allowed, this is actually when you at least I like, you know, not having been here that long, appreciate the passion the most because you know, I know everybody just wants us to be good. We are losing sleep and spending days and nights trying to figure out every little advantage we can to, to get us on the right track and, and deliver what everybody out there deserves. So Absolutely. thanks for hanging with us.
2: I'm Bloom. Appreciate you, man. You bet. All righty, that was our Hi Bloom interview. Joey, your top takeaway. What was your favorite answer that he gave us? <clears throat>
3: um, I think it, near the beginning, honestly, when he's talking about the trade deadline, yeah, and just how how open he was about it. And uh, that he made it make sense in some ways. Um, I also love when he when he steps away from baseball for a sec. You can see his brain go like, "I'm gonna just I'm gonna lean back in the recliner for just half a second here," <laughs> but he's always ready to snap back up. You know what I mean? I like I'm when impressed. he uh, shows yeah. who he
2: is. Heim the person. Exactly. I'm impressed. Heim does this thing where I think he'll answer the question while it's being asked in his head so it's like oh okay i got this one figured out all right here we go here's the answer that i literally just crafted up in like the 7 seconds that you were talking he's good at doing this he's good at answering the the questions of the media questions of us i i, I guess we're media we're kind of in between but um yeah i think heim's heim means well i believe in heim bloom a lot of people right now don't a lot of people question oh the 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 sell the buy what are you doing he knows it. We know it. He's going to be judged mainly on Xander and Devers. It's going to come down to: Is Bogarts staying here? Is Devers getting that mega contract? I think he basically just confirmed that on this episode. So we can we can stop talking about paid Devers. But yeah, that's there's there's a lot of questions that are going to need to be answered in the off season. Uh, I, he gets it with the bullpen. He gets it with the rotation. The Chris Sale stuff. I, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that in our our little two game little stupid two game series recap not the recap the series it's is stupid our, our sp- little our little we'll
3: stupid our stupid recap. little recap we we'll put in our stupid ass recap that we both. listen to our silly little stupid ass episode <laughs> listen to our dumbasses sit here and talk about these
0: stupid games <laughs> the stupid
3: inside game. the monster
2: no i'm just i just hate these two gamers I've said it a million times but um shout out to high and bloom thank thank you for doing that uh Heim like he's listening right now uh that was good interview and uh he can he can feel the pressure you can tell that he can feel the pressure he understands the critics i think he has a good feel for uh what people are going to react to how they're going to react to certain moves really you know talking about the vasquez one at the deadline but a lot is tbd right now uh for heim bloom's moves coming up this offseason i think his time in Boston is gonna be big time judged on what happens this offseason. And I am extremely excited to see what that is. Uh Joey, any closing thoughts here? I'm glad he didn't remember the elevator thing. I, I knew we really... wouldn't. I knew we
3: wouldn't. I know it sounds stupid, is the thing. Like I get it. You know, I get that it's like, why are you so hung up on that? Yeah. Why? It's like I was walking around with like a children's toy. I don't know. I think that it's we've like, all been in those situations supposed to look like official, official media. We're the official podcast of the Boston Red Sox. I've been there for like a month, and I show up with a toy <laughs> ring light that says vlogging kit across it. You're like, wow, this is the guy, huh? Cool. Nice job. I, know. I don't know.
2: I don't know, man. No, your logic lame. is not wrong. I know my mom will say this to me all the time. Like, no one's looking at you, Steven. Like, no, no one's... Uh, you, you think it's whatever. This looks weird. That looks weird. No one's looking at you. So... I think from that perspective, no one really noticed. I don't think anyone noticed, Joe. Steve, no one cares about you. Okay. No one, Stephen. No what? 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 My mom always said, Stephen, no one cares about you. All right. So just stop, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop thinking that everyone, anyone gives a damn.
3: Um, yeah, you're saying at the dinner table, like, man, I, I didn't feel like today. You guys are all too nice to me,
2: Stephen. Nobody no cares one, about you. No one cares about you. So just don't, Shh. Yep. Shh. No, don't, don't, don't. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares. Just shut up. That's that's how all the dinners go. No, just kidding. But uh, yeah, uh, shout out Heim Bloom. Episode forty-five good was the Pedro Martinez episode that we had Heim Bloom. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, we get PD on here soon. That would be nice. That'd be cool, man. It'd be cool. This off season, probably. I think it'd be a good time to have a nice fireside chat with PD. Be a good time to do that. But uh, yeah, next year you'll from PD Joey and, and I. Special PD. Uh, what What did you say? Oh, a double a PD and PD special. That would. That Around of campfire? Yeah, wow. big time. Next time you will hear from one Joey Capone and myself is after this two-game series with the Braves. Recap. A lot of stuff we have to talk about, Joe. You got the Eck news, the sale news, the uh, honey mustard still stinks at Fenway. There's there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about on this episode, so be on the lookout for that. But appreciate you guys tuning in. Got more player interviews coming up, more Red Sox people red sox humans i was gonna say personnel but it's more people that you would see at the ballpark interviews coming up a lot of cool stuff around the corner socks got to figure it out five games back as we record this they got to figure it out i still have some level of hope which is probably stupid but big episode coming up joey recapping this brave series until then for joey caponi i am steve brock go Sox Kid. Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer. Mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast.